Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oratari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who is a botanist of people. <laughs> you see, I uh, I have spent the last six months dedicatedly studying the uh, pollination of people, and that has led me to make as such the following movie. Has led me to make the following movie. Really, an entomological chronicle of Japan. We're going to get is... into this because I have an entire <laughs> formulated based on the interview, this movie, yeah. the last movie, that documentary, and several other sources, a very complete picture of what of my thesis of Imamura. Imamura. Uh, and uh, it's not good. Um, but like, literally, the <laughs> movie in, in Japanese is called. Like um, Japan, like uh, the entomological chron. Like, say it translates the entomological chronicles of Japan. That's a little bit generous, yeah. I think. But yes, they, it's like the Japanese uh, insect journal is how I read it. But it probably does translate to entomological chronicles. I don't know, but um, well, let's uh, yeah, let's play the theme song and uh, and get into this as quickly as possible then. Pat, before we do get to uh, your your theory on Imamara, uh, I do want to talk about our Patreon real quick. Yes. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going. And uh, it's fun. Yeah, it's no. Fun. It, you get access I, I mean, to a bonus episode. Yeah, we do all kinds of You get to vote on what the bonus episode's going to be. We do get all kinds of stuff. You can suggest what kind of stuff we should do. We'll probably do uh, it movies because we don't have any ideas. Or topics for this. Absolutely. We are purely idealists. Idea list? I don't know. Works. I have not had, I have not had an original idea in more than thirty years. Uh, <laughs> well, I I think that's going a bit far, but I will say that like our track record on our original ideas for lists is not great. That's fair. It has about what? Well, like, I'm saying we're ba- we're like what, maybe batting four hundred <laughs> on this. Like I think I think some of our best list ideas have still ended up with some of our. Uh, uh, most egregious episodes. Yes, that's um, also true. Yeah, it's totally. like I think I think that the list that was movies that share titles with Criterion movies was a fantastic idea for a list. But then we watched uh, the Will Ferrell kicking and screaming, which was not a fantastic movie. No, but here's what I think. I think that there's probably a fundamental difference between a good idea for a list and a good list. That's In fair. The sense that's that, fair. Like, that's, you, we, that's really where I drop men. off. But then, yeah. like when it comes down to like the like actual sort of implementation of making that list, it's like, oh boy, this is tough. They don't know about this. Yeah, that's fair. Well, that's they're gonna fair. pick that's the one fair. we don't want to watch on this list. Yeah, well, not that we would have known that well, we didn't want to watch screaming, Kicking yeah. and Screaming at the time. I mean, what did what did uh, Kicking and Screaming kid on Rotten Tomatoes anyway? No, you look that up. While I, am I uh, doing that. we talk, we do talk about a lot of non-criterion films. Obviously, that's the whole point of doing it over there. But we've talked about you know bad movies and good movies, Ready Player One and Dog Day Afternoon, uh, Kicking and Screaming, Critters Two, and uh, Ernest Goes to Camp, which is a great, great movie. Um, 
mostly. I mean, it's got issues, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it does have it's issues. better than kicking and screaming by a wide margin. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, but all that for one dollar, you get it to help keep us going, and you uh, you get access to all of the back catalog. There's 50, 50 bonus episodes over there. There's almost a, a full year's worth of bonus. episodes. Yeah, you could just watch bonus just, a, a just single over there. bonus episode a week. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's not that impressive. You could. Like, no. Well, I guess it's because we only do it once a month. It is impressive, but it doesn't it, sound. It impressive. feels more impressive. Yeah, no. it feels more impressive than it is. I mean, we're doing we're doing four or five a month over on the main podcast, so right. it is it is definitely less impressive than that, I guess. But anyway, uh, that's all at the one dollar tier. For a little above that, five dollars. Just folks who who want to support us a little bit more. Uh, we do like to thank those people on air. Thank you so much to Eric Coronado and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current $5 supporters. Yes, thank you. A bit above that, we do something that I think is pretty pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently, and I write a little personalized note, get that uh, art printed up on a postcard, write that note, and mail it off to our $10 and above supporters. And we like to thank those people on air as well. Thank you so much to Chris Otto, Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Patrick Yako, and Adam Speakerman, our current $10 and above supporters. If you want to see those postcards, uh, you don't actually have to sign up for the $10 well, right, if you up, want to right see away. Them the month they're released. Right. If you want to see them the month they're released, you do have to sign up. And you get that or, note from me. Or but, if you want to see the ones that are too hot to handle on Redbubble. <laughs> that's true. That's true. If you want to see a back catalog of our postcards uh, posted, first off, on a bit of a delay so that our supporters can enjoy them first. Uh, but also, uh, there's a couple missing because Redbubble, uh, Redbubble's auto uh, algorithm for copyright infringement uh, has some issues as far as U.S. copyright law go. Um, yeah, and it, has, it, uh, in that it is wholly beholden to an idea that <laughs> any use of any trademark is automatically right. copyright infringement right out the gate. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, a couple of the postcards have been challenged, and uh, and Redbubble is not interested in fighting those challenges, even as we have uh, clear legal standing uh, that these are parody uh fair use period uh they are transformative works if nothing else yeah. but they are they are pretty openly parody the ones that have been challenged yeah. so anyway thanks redbubble you can head over to redbubble.com they're still we're going to use them because everyone's going to have the same problem and redbubble seems to be the best for what we want to do yeah, yeah. so I mean, yeah, uh, redbubble.com <laughs> you can search for lost in criterion over there and uh and we should pop up you can look at just search for the Criterion Collection over there, and we'll pop up a little bit. But you'll also see a whole bunch of people doing much more overt yeah. copyright. A lot of people who should actually get copyright strikes, maybe. Um, but yeah. yes, but um, apparently, apparently, the Criterion Corporation as a whole no, does, they're definitely is less interested the in protecting their uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would like to point out the kicking and screaming has a forty-one and forty-three between the tomato meter and the audience score. Uh, respectively. Oh, good. So, one I mean, those, there's a broad consensus that this is absolute garbage. Yeah. One of those rare instances where both both fans and Just and nobody critics. liked this movie. Not a soul. There's not a single yeah. damn person on Earth who was like, yeah, this is but And the, in the movie, the audience score has 50,000 plus ratings. A lot of people went here to express their opinion that this movie is bad. <laughs> uh, 
How great. How great. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that update. No, Pat, no problem. If you, want to hear, if you want to hear our kicking and screaming episode or any of our bonus episodes, you can head over to patreon.com slash lost in criterion. And like I said, that's just a dollar, but we got the other tiers as well. Uh, thank you so much to our supporters and uh, thanks for listening. Yes. This week. We're talking about The Insect Woman. It is the second movie in our box set of Imamura films. The box set is called Pigs, Pimps, and Prostitutes. Which really, the title uh, of the box set sort of tells you all you need to know, actually. Like, I, I, you went through a sort of, I went through, I don't know if you're like me, I went through a sort of a cycle, right? Like, I was like, immediately I found the box set name somewhat off-putting. And then I was like, well, yeah. I'm going to come around. Because every so often, people address these these sorts of topics with like a deft hand and, and yeah. have a lot to say and it could be very interesting. Um, and then we've come back around. See, uh, for me. not to, not to get you off track, but when I see that title, I don't think of it substantively at all. What I do is just picture Dwight from the office uh, instead of saying, uh, or, or rather the other guys making fun of Dwight when he says, uh, uh, Beats bears Battlestar Galactica. I just picture I just right, picture okay. saying pigs, pimps, prostitution in the same. Is in that the true same for manner. any list of three uh, for you? Is that basically <laughs> how that it's, works? It's got to have it's got to have the right rhythm. Right, I see. What um, you're yeah, and prostitutes in Battlestar Galactica don't have don't have quite perfect, the same. No, but but it is close with the with the initial. Right, because you get you get off on the right you you start off on the right track, so right it helps right, it carry right. you through to the end. Yeah, yeah. That, that happens sometimes when you're like, if you've ever tried to like make up new lyrics, which I know you have new lyrics to songs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, well, I got far enough in now that even if I start fucking it up, it was good enough. I feel fine with what <laughs> happened here. You know, I you know I do because the amount of times I have started this podcast recording with "Good morning, Patrick." Adam yes. says hello, yes. uh, and then lost it immediately. Yeah. I mean, there's, no, yeah. there's nowhere to go from there. Well, we uh, all everybody anyway. has that problem, right? Because I mean, <laughs> right. everybody who is not like good at that kind of thing, I guess, right? Because um, <laughs> yeah, there's, I was going to say like, oh, that's a common problem. I was like, no, there's an entire there's like entire schools of music making where that is like the opposite of what you're supposed to be. You know, we are right, supposed right, to be good right. at that and I'm yeah, I'm just not good at it. Um anyway, yeah. this 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 whole box set uh and and really, you know, the other Imamara films we've seen certainly too. Yeah. Uh continue Imamara's uh self-described messy movies uh, movies that are interested in the lower parts of the body and the lower parts of society. Well, like again, uh, everything that comes out of Imamura's mouth <laughs> is a dead giveaway to how you should feel about Imamura. Yeah, like for example, that phrasing is a dead giveaway that, in some way, he equates those two things as being like somehow equivalent to each other. Right, uh, and then throwing in a sort of like weird sort of like his sort of like offhanded comments about class politics that really don't are fundamentally unsub like unsubstantial, but we'll get into yeah. that soon. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, this is the uh, this is the first movie back from a two year hiatus after after Pigs and Battleships. Uh, Nakutsu. Um, his uh, his production company 
didn't let him make a movie. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> claims it's because he went over budget by a bunch of money that, like, Nikatsu yeah. was like, uh, no thank you. But I could also just believe it being like, I don't know if you're for us. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, so basically, he wasn't allowed to make a movie. And uh, so he spent those two years at a friend's parents' house in the country writing scripts. I mean, he he, yeah, he walled and ponded around a little bit. He walled Yes, yes, yes. He moved a mile from his mom's house, had her still do his laundry, and uh, and just wrote about how everyone should live like him. No, that's uh, that's not quite what he did. No, no. Uh, I mean, but yeah. he was he was living a, he was living with uh, friends' parents by his description, uh, just uh, out in a rural-ish part of Japan, um, and writing. He wrote some plays. He wrote this and the next movie we'll watch. Uh, intentions of a murder, or intentions of murder, rather, um, and uh, and wrote some other stuff, um, but that's really all he did for two years, and then he came back, right? And he unfortunately, uh, to him seemingly, because he keeps mentioning it, had to make the insect woman, despite writing intentions of murder first, he had to make insect woman first. I don't know. Uh, I don't because... know why. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I guess he just wanted to do him in the order he wrote him in. I don't. Right. I, well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I actually, I kind of okay. Like, I can kind of see. So, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I wonder why. Like, so, I get. I, I do in my own organizational strategy understand wanting to uh, produce those works in the order that he wrote them. Yeah. Like even for, even for this project, I watched the movies in the order we're going to talk about them even when, or at least try to whenever possible, even when we're going to talk about more than one in a week, I, I still watch them in the order that we're going to talk about them, uh, under the premise that that gives me the same amount of time (laughs) from the first one to the first recording. Or a, I a, mean, yeah, a, I guess, I guess yeah. that is a, uh, a so logical... that I can mentally keep them in order. I guess it's not, it's not actually true, but, uh, but my brain pretends it is, and that's all that we need. Anyway, um, is this the movie? I can't really recall. Last week we had that one hour uh, French yes. television series yes. on on Imamura. And there was a movie in that where he talked about how he moved to this rural area or this. this yeah, this is. I think it was um, an island in the story of that. Um, uh, that might be a different talk- one. No, that it, it is yeah, a different I, one. He moves. That's it, another one that he wrote, essentially alleging, like talking about a, an in, an inbred family on out on an island, and he was like, oh, and then when we got there, we real like, we found out that like that just never happens. And then they just made the movie right, anyway. Right. And it was like, right. yeah, that sounds, that checks out perfectly. Yeah. No, that is a different so, one. That would be far south, whereas this is far north. Yeah, okay. Well, this yeah, this is so, not far north. This is in the city, in and around the city, because we're doing Insect Woman. Like, right, Insect right. Woman. The next one is far north more than anything. Insect Woman, I never got a p- clear picture of where the, fo- the story starts. They mention a mm-hmm. town. Uh, a few times, and I think if I had paid much, uh, like really close attention, I could have probably figured out where it was. Um, and I did, I did bother at the very end to try to look up um, where um, where they end up at the end. You know, at the end of Insect Woman, there's a, the farm, but like there's just barely enough information to go on. 
Uh, like you yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's just the, a very uh, common town name and Imamara does uh does credit some some grounding of the script to screenwriter uh uh Keiji Hasebe, uh who is from the uh Tohoku region. T O O H O. Tohoku is where he hung out, it seems like, for both of these two films. Yeah, uh, which would make sense because out. I think that I think that's where he went to stay anyway. I didn't yeah. in the documentary the locations were not something I was paying a lot of like in the interviews and right. stuff. I wasn't really paying that close to the actual locations because it's kind of irrelevant. What it basically is to my understanding is essentially a city boy going off to the country to kind of like he, he offhandedly talks about like it, things being more real in the country and then realizing that things aren't more real in the country which is the sort of right. realization that city people have that is this sort of false realization of itself you know right. you know what i mean right. it's like you started off with a false premise and then you still kind of ended up with a false premise at the end too you like you kind of double back on yourself but like that's not the point of things in the first place um he did that thing you know what i mean the like i'm right. going to move right. to the country right. and write um yeah the the, and we the talked, that noble pursuit we talked last week already and and certainly another place where this could be accurately compared to walden uh we talked already last week about immemora's class difference between yes. the people he is writing about, about and 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 what he's writing and certainly certainly it's something that comes up in this movie and the next movie and really all of his movies uh is that you know immemora comes from a fairly privileged background um and is writing about poor rural people in what he says is an anthropological lens. Well, right. But, but I think it's... he gives the game away even worse. Like, first of all, he has no business saying that. Like, just straight up no business. <laughs> right, 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 right. By, by this era, like, I mean, I mean, if he took any anthropology classes, they would have been pre, like, pre, like, before any sort of necessary modernization of it, they would have been very eugenics focused because it would have been Japan right. pre-war or right around the war university classes on anthropology would just would just be straight up it's eugenics it just eugenics would. and ethnography uh, yeah well maybe. and like but the thing is like ethnogra- <laughs> ethnography is like it would have just been, it would have just been straight i mean like i've <laughs> it read been things u- that would have been, been eugenics too because yeah. the amount of eugenics that was used and is still used in japan to justify making differences where they don't exist in japan and it's it's pretty heavy and even now and it would have been just out of fucking control at that time so like that's already kind of a damning statement in the first place but that's fine let's ignore that for a second because he then at other interviews and in other writings talks about it as more like entomology for right. people. Well, the title of this movie is right, yeah, which is a big problem. It, really, the title of this movie in Japanese gives the entire game away. But yeah. um, what it does then is that 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 betrays a really serious, problematic understanding of the way one looks at other people, because right. you don't sympathize or care for the bugs that you jab with pins, right? In entomology. Now, I don't want to say something bad about entomology i am sure 
I, I'm sure it takes all kinds, and there are entomologists who like care deeply every time they have to stab a bug or something. I don't know, actually. Right. But the problem is, is that his view specifically is this top-down, I observe from outside, I am above, and like you, you wouldn't pick... You wouldn't pick the term entomology if you had respect for the things that you are trying to look at. Right. You would pick something like zoology or biology or so- something that gives you a, we're on the same fundamental plane of existence here. Right. Sort of, They're, if you really wanted to use bad and vulgar terms for the way you talk about other people. Right. Particularly, you know, the the whole insect motif as it relates to this movie we get the opening of the uh, of the bug struggling, the beetle struggling to climb an incline, that is mirrored in the ending of Tomei right. struggling to climb an incline. Uh, but what is the what is the metaphorical value of the insect throughout the rest of the movie? That no matter what Tomei tries to get ahead, uh, she can't. Well, she's thwarted <laughs> at every turn. Yeah, she well, that is it. She well, can't right. move above her station. Let as, us as a dr- now. Yeah. Yes, I think that's part of it. Yes, let us now de- dive into the grand unified theory of Emerald. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, it has multiple elements to it, so let us begin. All I right, want to right. start with. I want to start with this concept of entomology of people, which okay. is sort of just rife throughout this. Okay, I have a theory about this. Okay. It's 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 not quite a theory specifically about Imamura as much as it is about class politics in the 60s in Japan and around the world. Um, I waste a lot of – I don't waste time. I use a lot of my driving time to listen to a lot of podcasts. And one of the pa- podcasts I like to listen to is David Harvey's Anti-Capitalist Chronicles. Okay. And recently, one of his topics that he brought up a while a little while ago – was a thing that I had learned when I was in college. Um, boy, like I hope I don't mess this up. But like, um, he basically talked about specifically. Um, specifically, he talked about uh, the idea that specifically with economics, the idea that in the fifties and sixties, especially, there was a push to sort of science of eyes, sort of like data eyes, econ- economics. To make it less about sort of intuitive stories about like understandings of people and more about like data driven. And that's only increased as time has gone on. And that's fundamentally a neoliberal capitalist thing. Because by taking the sort of human elements out of things, you, you're removing the context of the data, which allows you to read it in any way that you that suits the needs that you are pursuing. Right. right, it allows you to say things like, "Well, okay, gun violence has increased, so we better put more police on the streets." Without having to ask the question, "Wait, who's doing the gun violence?" That that sort of stuff, right? Da- da- right. Turning things into pure data allows you to do that. Now, he's specific- specifically talking about it with economics, but he does mention it as it applies to other fields. This is a thing I learned about in school when I was studying anthropology, and a little bit even in education because. This sort of data-driven understanding of fundamentally social issues has been a problem right. in a lot of fields because there was this push to be like, no, you need to become a science. You right. don't need – and it happened before the war, but it got even a million times worse after the war. 
like you don't need to be like telling stories. You need to be proving things with data. Well, anthropology is fundamentally incapable really of doing that for a lot of reasons. That's just not how the entire thing is fucking built. Um, but it happened to every single field basically uh, in the sort of social sciences. And um, what that, and so to a certain extent, I believe that Iwamura comes from that s- a sort of detached view of understanding people's sort of thought process that that really in many ways fundamentally works on behalf of sort of the modern sort of uh, capitalist hegemony in in the world. Uh, I mean, he's just sort of a artistic expression of it, but like he fundamentally goes out of his way in this movie to detach the audience from the main character in every possible way. Like it's even a description of like an active description he gives for why it's all vignetted out and you can never like spend enough time with her to really have like to only at the very end do we even get close to spending enough time at a single moment with her to form real emotional attachments to her because I don't think he wants you to. And I don't think he does. I do not believe fundamentally that Imamura has any feeling, r- meaningful feeling about his protagonists. I think he yeah. understands that their stories are interesting, but he doesn't like care about them. And I think that that's all sort of built around the same thing. It's sort of if you are if your goal is to become a modern neoliberal sort of uh, sort of intelligentsia artist you need to match right. the sort of predominant hegemony in in society and art and I think fundamentally my impression from everything I've seen is Imamura kind of exists in that space where he can be making quote unquote edgy art but what he but none of it actually challenges the predominant paradigm of right. the world he lives in and wants to be an elite part of. Yeah. Well, okay. Let's let's dive into that a little bit because he is making stories particularly with with this set. He is making stories about a woman in mm-hmm. mid-century Japan who is determining her own way. Uh so- so this is of. I I suppose okay. This is this is what what he would say he's doing. Certainly. Yes, absolutely. He would um, say it because that lines up perfectly with that sort of neoliberal politic, yeah. which is and like, I think oh women making their own I way think, in the world. I think pigs and battleships does successfully do that. I'm not arguing about pigs and battleships. Pigs and battleships is in many ways a much more successful movie, <laughs> and I think there was yeah. a fundamental sea change for him between those movies, where right. I I'm arguing in my mind. When that three-year hiatus happened, I think he made a personal choice to become the kind of director who would be a darling among that sort of right. intelligentsia. <laughs> that's that's fair. Now, now our other our other maybe issue talking about this is that with the with the so-called Japanese new wave, and I say so-called because they did not yes, label yeah. that themselves at all. Um, our only other touchstone is Ashima, 
and the movies we've seen from Ashima are a decade after this, right? True. So it's it's a yeah. it's a different environment, and he's doing very different things, right? Uh, and I think I think actually the next movie very much presages, say, uh, Empire Passion, uh, and we'll talk about uh, more in of that some ways. Next week. I would agree with that. In I some ways, I, I, don't, I would agree. Right? Yeah. That so, doesn't necessarily, but that doesn't necessarily change my right. argument. That the, just shows yeah. that he had an influence on future directors right, right, in right, his right, own right. sort of area, right? Yeah, and that's that's fair. Um, but he is still... It's one of those things. And, you know, we talked about it a little two weeks ago, too, even, with the uh, the science is fiction box set. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess three weeks ago now. Um, however, it was within the last month, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it was a time. Um, which it was are, recently enough which that we still are, remember anything, right? Which are zoological films? Yes. That attempt to, uh, in their creator's mind, at yeah, least, anthropomorphize this, these creatures. Anthropo, right? In order to challenge, uh, just by presenting them, he believes he is challenging a social paradigm yeah. in some ways, yeah. right? Um, so. <sighs> Obviously, you and I have. Uh, I think we're we're on at least adjacent pages to say that just just showing a bad thing is not commend <laughs> condemning it, and just right. showing a good thing is not commending it. Right. Uh, that's not how narrative explicitly works. Um, obviously, subtext, but you know, right. It's more I mean, despite than that. despite but <laughs> many many Twitter arguments, I will still right, argue. Right, right. That you have a sort of responsibility to not just portray <laughs> overt heinous things without at least contextualizing and, them and as ass- being wrong. Right. Right. And assume your audience just knows they're right. wrong. I present um, to you the <laughs> Joker or something like that. Which I've never seen, well, so I actually don't know. I just it's a touchstone that yeah. I I just generally understand that there's, people are like that. There's about. plenty. Yeah. I mean plenty of stuff Yeah, there's always where... um oh, you know, full metal jacket or something like that. Right. Right, so, right, 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 right. Anyway, um, well, that that gets into the you know the was it Truffaut? You know, you can't you can't actually make an anti-war movie, right? Right, because showing any uh, well, and, and showing yeah, right. any war actually that's the problem with Full Metal Jacket is they actively tried to tell you this is bad <laughs> and you just didn't right, fucking right, listen. Right. Like, come on, right, right, right. They were working that's, very that's hard really... to tell you that this is all very bad. Yeah. And that's you know that's that's why that phrase exists, absolutely right? there's because you even i, I even just realized i wasn't being fair to them because they tried yeah, very hard yeah, in that movie right, to tell you right even creating a movie where it's not subtextual to say war is bad uh it is impossible to show war without at least someone and maybe a large chunk of probably a very a, saying, probably a, hey a, that's super cool Reasonably large and there's, people, yeah. And there's a lot of movies, say something like Fight Club, where the presentation of toxic masculinity is not really subtextual, um, right? But but still, you get a major a major response from a lot of audience members that say, "Hey, that's cool, and I should act like that, even though I don't share any of their politics." Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Fight Club uh, especially had a real problem, and I and I have right, to put right, some right, of the blame right. onto to you know the director. We talked we talked about this yeah, we because talked like about that that, that was a particularly bad example bad example of yeah. not doing. We had a, a bonus job. episode about yeah, yeah we, we had did. a bonus episode about Fight Club, so you can head over to the Patreon and, and, and listen to that Pat's if you want. Thoughts about it. Yeah, um, but 
But all of that, I guess, to say that Imamura, I want to give him a little grace and say his heart is in the right place, at least. I do not want to do that. I know you don't. Um, and I'm but... going to give you more data or more thoughts on why later. <laughs> but I still don't think he succeeds in doing what he claims well... he's doing, certainly. So... Please, See, my, my no, but my issue actually, like, not to like, sort of like, I have other reasons why I've grown to <laughs> yeah. very much dislike Imamura, but um, my issue here is that, like, yes, you could nominally say that, like, this is a, a person making movies about strong women who are struggling through adversity and things like that. You can argue that, and you're not exactly wrong. Who are finding their own way in the world, and all, you can you can argue that, and you're not wrong but it's also not necessarily right and and the reason i say that is that like there's a few problems with the way first of all you get into the classic problems like why why are you making these films right like you have a, we already have a problem right. because you're just taking half the time it seems like you're just taking notes on other on women's stories and then trying to adapt them into a more sort of like right. outrageous ratcheting outlandish up, version ratcheting up the tragedy yeah, right, ratcheting exactly. up the tragedy. Almost every description of, how, of his writing process was something like that. Right. Um, this so one's like looks, based on a conversation they had with a waitress. Yeah, right? well, he took like three days worth of notes, and he's like, oh, well, you know. And then it's like, boy, it sure seems like she should get credit somewhere in this movie. Shouldn't right, she, right, right. Imamura? Right, um, right. But uh, since it is basically her life story. Um, but, like, you know, we get into this problem where – there's there's nothing about what happens to our main character here. There's nothing about what happens to Tome that actually directly flies in the face of sort of the paradigm I was talking about. Like, right. we're at a time in Japanese history and in uh, a lot of a lot of other countries' history where there's this sort of like idea of like you know, women's lib and things like that, which all fit into that sort of neoliberal paradigm. And one of those things that you do when you're talking about is you make movies where you talk about their struggles, but you don't come to terms with why they are struggling. Not really. What you do is you present those struggles and say, oh, this is unfortunate. Boy, somebody should sure do something. And the answer is always like, well, let's make sure they can all get a job or something like that. And that's not the answer. And Imamura almost adamantly refuses to address why things are happening to Tomei. Right. Like, at the at the very root core of it. Like, he barely even really engages with the idea of the patriarchy. Like, not really. They're all right. individual is, male is- actors. Right. She is constantly a victim of patriarchy and, to an extent, capitalism in at least one instance. Well, and, um, and probably overtly. generally across the board, right? Because her entire generally life— Generally across the board, z- certainly. But. Multiple times. But yeah, in the end, her life but, is the way it is because of that. Right, right, right. So, you know, we get, we get that aspect. But, yeah, I think you're right to say he doesn't— yeah. He doesn't. It's always a bad man. It's the. It's a. It's. It is the bad apple sort of scenario, right? The and bad version of it's, that. It's his. It's his idea that he's taking an anthropological view to this because he thinks he needs to be the disinterested observer. Right. Right. 
Which is, I again, not how any of that works. It's just how it works in his right. mind, which is really why <laughs> right. the entomological is one it... is more appropriate. Because you're right. not going to it embed does... yourself in the culture of the insects. Right, 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 right. It is how a lot of people view anthropology Unfortunately. You know, in popular consciousness. Um, and yes, I agree that that is unfortunate. Um, but I can't, I can't lay that all on him. Right. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just, he is it leaning me. into a popular, yeah, he is Absolutely. leaning into a popular definition. Of well, and again, I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit in the sense that it's probably very much the definition he grew up with. Right. Right. right like right, right. most certainly that is a hundred percent the way that anthropology was being done by Japanese anthropologists in the thirties, forties, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. It was how it was being I, done by near by nearly everybody. It was what I love a about, disgusting period. Yeah, what I love about the backstory of this movie is, you know, his his description of how it came to be is, you know, he doesn't overtly say uh it's about this waitress I was flirting with, but it is. And yeah. uh <laughs> and and he says, well, she worked at the mill and now she's a waitress. Uh and she had a thing for her boss at the mill. Uh, but then explicitly says she never she did not have a relationship like this with her dad. She was close to her dad, but she wasn't like right. this close. Well, but in the, in the, right, uh, yeah. And like, like it's that ratcheting up of things that it's got to be one or the other, right? You can ratchet it up and be commentary, yes, and that works and or can work. But because he's positioning himself as doing ethnography, uh. But then is also, it's also editorializing. Just yeah, it's just fiction. Then that's that's an issue. It yeah, really no, it is an issue. An issue. <laughs> and I and what I'm saying is is that like it all. I feel deeply that it is all very calculated to be everything that you need to be to be the sorts of things that people in coffee shops talk about. Right, right, right. What He's I, positioning what I, himself as just just enough of an outsider, right? To still it's be edgy talked about because it's got condemned. a shit ton of rape right. in it. That makes it edgy, right? right like, right. and a lot of and a lot of uh, child incest uh, right. implied. And, thankfully, well, mostly. Like, again, I uh, I I go back and forth on that. That's one of the parts where I come like down a little bit, like on a sort of positive note on it. Is that like fundamentally, there's definitely no incest going on. We can right. read that in the story. It is it it is an issue of a child desperately clinging to anybody who treats them like a human adult. Right, 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 right. Like right. which is their dad, uh, which is her dad, and then her grandpa. Right, like, but like, right, right. Um, what what I mean is is that like, so that that's a whole and a whole other issue, right? Like, inappropriate inappropriate levels of affection and affection maybe, but. Definitely not actual. Right, incest. right, right, right. There's not, story. there's not, there's not an overt sexual incest seen, right. or even more than implied. When yeah. the little girl says, "Oh, we're married because you sleep with me," that does not necessarily. Well, but also, it's very important to understand that sleeping with your parents until a very late <laughs> right, age is right, very, right, right, very, right, right. very normal in Japan. Absolutely, I have taught Sharing many students when I was a teacher of younger people who. 
you know, just casually it'll come up in conversation that they're 16 years old and they sleep with their parents. It's very common. Right, right. And it was, right. at the time that this movie is supposed to supposedly taking place, even more wide. It's just the way it is. You have right. one common sleeping room. Everybody sleeps in that room. It's just the way it yeah. is. And so the that's not really Tomei, an unusual question. Right. Tomei breastfeeding her dad on multiple occasions through the course of this is never sexualized. No. Um, um, and I think that's important. I think it's, it's certainly weird. It is certainly weird. weird, but it is not sexualized. But in the movie. what I, w- I, I, a lot of context there because breastfeeding women oftentimes need a lot of help from a lot of people because that shit doesn't work exactly the way it's supposed to. Right. Um, the first, the first time it happens on screen, it is explicitly because, uh, the the baby is not feeding right and she she is complaining about pain right uh and again it's weird it is uh, weird don't and, get me wrong it's and weird i, I but, don't think i don't think it is a healthy relationship no certainly not no that's definitely true but it is not sexualized even no. in that moment um uh, yeah and, and so like i don't know that's just a sort of like almost a side note it is movie. not it is not textually sexualized obviously hearing imamura and others talk about it Right, but I think it is okay, sexual. Oh boy! But now we're going to go off on a tangent. I didn't even think about talking about oh no. when we were making this. the The overt sexualization of uh, breastfeeding would have been very much a. It's very funny because these very staunch sort of uh, being Japanese people oftentimes yeah. have picked up a lot of very very Western understandings about morals and. Right, and right, sort of right, societal right. identity. And one of those is the sexualization of breastfeeding, which has no fundamental sexual component to right. it at all. Right, right, right. And, you know, bear in mind that as a countryside per like, you know, it there's a whole host of things that happen around the major restoration and then after about picking up sort of Western morals and Western sort of moral conduct code ideas. And like they are sexual. The the that group of people who are attached to this film are sexualizing it. They're choosing right. to, which is fascinating because they've added a thing that they didn't even actually bother to write into the text. They just right. had it so ingrained in their minds when they were making it that they sexualized it without explicitly sexualizing it in the movie, which right. is fascinating right. because it was so part of who they were that they didn't think they had to write it down. My like, motherfucker, you needed to write that down if that's what you wanted it to be. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, again, right. it's not good, but again, she needs somebody has to suck on that breast. I'm sorry. It's got to be somebody, <laughs> and that's the only person she like. I'm not joking. Like right. somebody has to like expressing them just does not work the same way, and yeah. the result is not the kind of pain relief that she's looking for. She's probably getting yeah. infections. And the fact of the matter is, is there's only one way to fix it, and she either does it for herself <laughs> or somebody else does it, and that's probably the only person on earth she trusts, literally. Right. In the and that's, whole world. that's fair. Yeah. So now, of course, of course, none of that is explicit in the movie either. So you know, no, take that no. with with interpretive grain of salt. Absolutely. As need be. Totally. This but. is this is coming from a very specific <laughs> viewpoint, which is Pat, right. and you don't need to know my entire academic history, but just trust me. Um, <laughs> But like so, my, a lot my, of a lot of non-sexual breastfeeding in Pat's academic history. Um, so actually, yeah, yeah, quite a few papers written on that subject. <laughs> oh, uh, interesting. There um, you go. 
Well, specifically on the nature of breastfeeding and on the nature of child rearing as it right. can be sort of interpreted culturally and stuff like that. Because everything's culture, including the way you yeah. breastfeed and including the way you Absolutely. understand breastfeeding. Um, right. So, um, boy, that's a tangent. But, like, um, boy, what were we talking about? Um, well, uh, before the breastfeeding. <laughs> Everything, everything. We're talking about everything. Right. Um, I'm just trying to get well, a wrap maybe, on like where we were. Um, maybe, maybe we'll we'll pivot instead of getting back yeah, to where we let's were. Yeah, let's try that. Uh, so, um, in the interview with uh, Tadao Sato, which is one of the bonus features, um, Imamaris says that he deliberately courts difficulties in filming, and while that is a thing that could very easily say well he's he's making edgy films that's what he means by that well explicitly in context explicitly in context he is talking about uh just coming up with ideas that will be hard to shoot and making making his movie hard for the crew making his movie hard for the crew here's what i think okay i have a theory on why he does this too my observation of imamura's work really implies to me that he wants to be what the French New Wave directors were to the French New Wave. Yeah. And part of that involves not having sets. That part of that involves... Uh, it's very easy to watch like the French New Wave or something like that and read it as like, oh, that guerrilla filmmaking, I have to. I need to replicate that. Right, right. But the problem is the Japanese studio system and Imamura himself is not actually set up to do that and can't... Right. And Imamura isn't that. But I think he sees that and he understands because, like, how influential French New Wave films were in Japan at the time, especially I mean, among I think that at, sort of at, modern intelli- uh, intelligence. At this point, we're we're still maybe talking Italian New Wave directly uh, yeah, you're probably influencing right. but you know what I mean, French, that, but, but yes. You know what I mean. Like, that that's sort of like, he's very clearly responding to things he had seen. Right. On on screen himself, like I mean, he literally like I mean, it's I mean it's it just feels like that's not how studio films in Japan were made. Yeah, and and as such, of course, it's going to be difficult to make it. Especially right, for it's going to be crew. difficult, and it's going to be more difficult than it would ever be in in Europe because right, right. this is. A series of rooms that are even more so not designed to allow anything else extraneous to be in them, because that right. shit ain't big. Like, like you'll notice that in French New Wave films and places like that, everybody seems to have these pretty big apartments. Right. When it comes right down to it, lots of lots of places you could probably set up a camera and still get most of the apartment. Yeah, that is not what a Japanese apartment looks like. Little, little easier to spread out in Europe than in yeah. Japan. It so, is. It is. Um, it just. I feel like it's. I feel like, and I don't know that I can definitely prove that one, but like, it just feels like there is an effort here being made to replicate a sort of idea or style that sort of very superficially. Like to just generate yeah. that sort of look. Um, not that there's anything wrong with replicating styles that you like. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and so I don't blame him for that, but I do feel like that's probably where that's coming from. Like, I mean, okay, Hiroshima Manamore, 1959. Uh, 
Breathless is Oh, yeah, there's definitely French. There's, there's plenty of... There's French seen, New Wave that's already started, certainly. Where there's like a camera in an apartment, and it's a real apartment. Right, right, right. And and I, I can see how that would be really appealing, right? Where you're like, oh, I want to yeah. be that for Japan. What What gets me is that his talking about making purposely making his films difficult is that he generally seems to be making these films difficult for everyone but himself. Oh, absolutely, 100%. That he's, he's making not it to do difficult. anything hard there. <laughs> and I think I think it came up last week uh, in some of the in in the bonus material, I think. I can't remember if we talked about it directly. Um but he talks about, you know, being hard on his actors and actresses. Yeah. Right. And, um, and the interview with him, these two interviews, do not go any way to dissuade me from the idea that he is an right. asshole to his actors. Yeah. And this one, he's explicitly talking about it, making the film harder for his crew. Yeah. Um, and obviously, at least his cinematographer is very much on board with what's happening. And right. it's phenomenal. Yes. Um, but, no complaints there. But balanced against everything we get about... Uh, about uh, Oshima, right, and and his caring relationship with his actors, and right, his, right. his, you know, his, you know, obviously the the Oshima films we've seen are are uh, realm is definitely all soundstage, right? Yeah, uh, and to a certain extent, Empire Passion, you know, they're filming on location sometimes, um, but. Right, they're but definitely doing more, a mix. It's a much mixed more stagey, style, yeah, right. yeah, um, and and it's large open country. Right, they're talking about they're going to into. inns, but they're doing is like buying right. out, like renting out an entire <laughs> inn or an entire like, right, area right, right, of an right. inn so that they have plenty of room to spread out and do right, their thing. Right, and, right. And it's just you know, o- Oshima seems to be such such a more. And I don't, you know, I hate talking about, you know, they are like the two directors of the Japanese new wave. And and again, all the Yoshima films we're familiar with now are are a decade after this, and I don't right. want to talk about them dichotomy, pit one against the other. Uh, but <laughs> it right. just seems like everything we know about Oshima uh, well, <laughs> points I... him as 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 just a more caring and more uh, more actually interested in the feelings of other people. Right. Than and- This guy who claims to be an anthropologist. I think that that plays out in the actual film itself, too. When you look at both uh, Realm of the Senses and Empire of Passion, the amount of care and feeling that the movie tries to help you feel about the characters is really high. Like, the movie is making an overt effort to help you empathize with these people. And to help you... like, Like... if you look at Realm of the Senses, that's a challenging film, like in a lot of ways. And the goal seems to be to not is to help you go on a journey with these people and like right. not be not recoil at kind of, quote unquote, how weird they are. You know what Which I mean? Which is, you know, how it's we a, experienced Realm of the Senses. Absolutely. It was successful it's a, it's in doing that very because well it worked for us. And I think <laughs> that you have to kind of look at that as a sort of way of understanding the way that the director himself or herself understands those characters. And also the yeah. writer understands those characters, right? Like, right. when you want, you won't always be successful, 
Like, that's not what I'm saying, but, like, I don't think... My observation now with the films of uh, Imamura that we've watched, I don't think he cares about his characters. I don't yeah. think he has any feelings about them. And that lines up with the or entomological chronicles of Japan right. being the sort of touchstone for the way you look at the people in this movie. They're all think, just subjects for study. I think in a lot of ways this shares some backbone with uh, with Kinoshita's 24 Eyes. It is about a single uh-huh. woman yeah. uh, living through generations of... But again, uh, such a And different grounded in feeling. history. And again, Kinoshita is interested in us sympathizing with his main character, whereas... And, and I don't think... I want to caution this because I don't think that aspect is a failure on Imamura's part because I think he succeeds in what he intends to do. Right. But what he intends True. to do is not good. That's my problem. <laughs> or at is least my not, problem is fundamentally. Not something, not something I can relate to um, and, in the and, way I feel stories should be told. And But I, can, I also am willing to, because I don't care, take the stance <laughs> that I don't think it's a good thing to do because right. it feeds into a paradigm that we already have plenty of. And there was plenty right. of then and th- at that time too, of this sort of detached view of other people as subjects for study rather than stories to be told and right. talked about. Like right. that detachment doesn't buy, it doesn't get us anything. It doesn't benefit anybody. It just makes for an interesting, like, artistic presentation that you again will get the whole coffee shop scene right, right raving right. about you and it's it's certainly these austere ozu even 24 eyes you know a lot of a lot of tragedy happens to the main character mm-hmm. in 24 eyes over the course it's not of the it. tragedy that bothers me uh right um and a lot of tragedy obviously happens to tome here uh there is a marked uh marked difference in i think degree of talent tragedy in making basically all of tomei's tragedy is sexual crime yeah uh, and which you know, also makes me very uncomfortable about imamura's under, understanding of society but yeah <laughs> right right and understanding um taking them at their face face value um or at least uh pretending that Critics of the past who know more about this stuff than I do, their read is better than whatever I'm getting. If if all of this is meant to actually be a a uh, non-textual but still pretty heavy subtextual incest, he is also implying that 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 incest is just rampant uh, in Japan. Well, um, he's certainly impl- no. What he's implying is that incest is rampant in rural Japan, which is a whole other Japan. judgmental right, thing. Right, that this right, are, that right. our that our young Tokyo boy. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. That's is, fair. Is was is a common problem right. in not just Japan, but in many places, but in Japan of reading the periphery, anything outside of those that main block of cities, as being just this like, well, fucking awful country bumpkin. I think incest. you know there yeah. are there are instances of not quite incest that still happen in the city. Like uh, Tomei's Tomei's lover, when she's in jail, uh, immediately starts uh, 
having sex with Tomei's daughter, right? And that's right. not, and again, not yeah, quite incest, yeah. but, I mean, but incest-adjacent yeah. behavior. Um, and I just think Imamura, it is a good impulse to say there are things like this that happen in the real world, and we need to make films that present them. Uh, but then he just makes films that only present <laughs> that. Right, and again, and, and that becomes... don't actually address anything other <laughs> right. than the crimes themselves. It's like and watching in... true crimes on TV or something. Like You're just right, getting a right. recount of the crime. You're not getting anything right. else. You're not getting any sort of sort of so like look at the sort of sociological problems that could cause it or anything like that it's just like right. well this bad guy did this bad thing to this not very good, like this person that I, this woman that I'm also reading is not very good uh right. y- you know it's it yeah you know it kind of reads it if you there's a way to look at it where it reads like shitty like dime store novels yeah where it's just a recounting yeah. of a kind of like, ma- for for the right kind of person, sexually titillating, true crime story kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I and mean, that's and that's maybe another another striking difference from our experience experience with Oshima, is that Oshima's making overtly sexual films that seem to be at every turn trying not to titillate us. Right, right, uh, or, active, whereas... or actively trying to dissuade you from <laughs> reading this as being... Like, again, mind you, Oshima fall, will fall on the same problem that all those directors we were talking about trying to make anti-war films right, right, will, right, right, which right, is right, like, right, right. you're going to put a lot of sex in a movie. Like, no <laughs> right. matter how you want your audience to read it, some people are just going to get a boner. That's right. just going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> like, it's unavoidable. But, uh, there's um, so many good pool quotes out of this conversation so well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A lot of breastfeeding. Some yeah, people are well, just going mean, to get a boner. I, uh, yeah, got... academic histories, right? Um, so, <laughs> but anyway, so, right. um, go ahead. One please. of the things I did, the additional thing that sort of feeds into my okay, like I said, I formed a very specific view of Imamura as a, somebody who's actively, and this is just my feeling based on what I've what we've watched in the interviews, somebody who is actively courting that sort of the rising predominant socio-political sort of ideas in Japan at the time, this sort of quote-unquote liberalization of Japan post-war that that very much fit, was very much a rehash of the one, you know, what was going on in the United States in many ways of this sort of like socially liberal, but at the same time, like also still 100% like yay, yay, hurrah, capitalism kind of thing, right? And one of the things that feeds into that also is Imamura is also, and mind you, this is an old argument that doesn't exist exclusively in this modern context, but has become very predominant, which is the idea of the sort of bestial tendencies of human beings being fundamentally a part of and uncontrollable to human nature. That's right. sort of like... And it all feeds into, like, it's all connected, interconnected with, like, sort of, like, um, biological uh, essentialism and things like this. These sort of, like, this understa- this belief that, like, oh, well, we're all animals, and, if the, and if, if the grip of society is not there to hold us tight, we'll just fly off the handle and just, it'll just be rape and murder everywhere. Right. And that, and that belief in many ways, is core to that sort of neoliberal sort of 
ideology and things like that because it it is having that there allows the rules to be fundamental and core to the function of society. Like you have to have them because if they didn't have them, all hell would break loose. You encounter it every time. Basically, you encounter a sort of offshoot of this every time there's a shooting in the United States and then there are protests afterwards, right? This sort of like this fall immediate fallback uh, uh, even among sort of self-proclaimed liberals on like, well, we need civility. We need to back the we got to back it up and like go back to right. civility and all that stuff. That's all based on an idea that like the rules without them, what are we? And the problem right. with that is is that I mean there's a lot of problems with that. But a problem with that that you run into is that like that it doesn't actually address the fact that like in many ways that the society itself creates that environment and creates those people who right. are turning into animals when By, they're set free, right? When when uh you know, we've got the these these cries for civility are you know remind me of a biblical passage of, of you know, they cry peace peace when there is no peace because they're insisting they're insisting on peace when fundamentally the people crying peace are supporting the policy supporting the the, exactly. the uh, status quo that is not peaceful for the people who are they they are now telling to calm down right right um, and yeah exactly totally sorry and yeah. I wanted to clarify like I'm talking about in movies. You get this sort of a, a fun. I'm not talking about actual human beings in the real world acting <laughs> right, like right, beasts. Right, that right, doesn't right. happen. People protesting for change in the in the world around them is not bestial behavior. But it's all part right. of the same. It's all part and parcel of the same sort of ideological hegemony where it's like the rules are fundamental. We have to have them because without them, there's chaos. And and we fundamentally like all human beings are wild animals that have to be caged right. by but, the system. But where it where it comes into reality is that uh, while while people protesting against police violence uh, are not bestial, the response that says you need to calm down, this isn't the right way, is treating them as if they are absolutely one hundred percent. They are yes, just cattle totally. on a stampede, right? Absolutely. Uh, and movies like this are a part of the sort of ideological hegemony that allows that to propagate itself. Right. Movie after movie is made. Where every human being is just five minutes away from turning into a wild animal that just can't stop killing and raping everything in his path. Right, right, it's, right, right. It's, it's, Look at the movies that you've watched over the last couple of years, right? The yep. number of times somebody just goes off the chain, right? Like, just sort of... Right, right, and right, then, right. It's all part of making sure that everybody in society believes that his fellow man is not... A good, right. trustworthy person and, that they can believe in, right. and what it what it ultimately does to to ground us in a political reality is that all of that rhetoric establishes, and you know, we're recording this on September 11th, so of course things like this are going to be on my mind. But it establishes uh, this baseline where the status quo justifies saying, "Well, we need to have someone or some group." who we can let the chain loose for. Right, absolutely. Who can yes, go yeah. and do our dirty work that needs to be done, that that 
you know, the only way to fight terrorism is with our own terrorism. And they'll never say it (laughs) quite like that. But we get things like 24 uh, and the Bush memo that that says the Bush memo that says torture isn't torture. Uh, The the, uh, myriad of U.S. political uh, officials in the last 20 years who have compared waterboarding to baptism uh, positively. Uh, You know, it's just it's it is a culture of violence that is justified now that is actively being justified by by those in political power um and MMR is not i don't know he's not I mean, encouraging he's definitely that. making that point because he right. even later on in interviews describes this sort of bestiality of human beings right. and this and right. like he even in one of those docket one of those two interviews I can't remember which one because we watched a a borderline identical interview <laughs> for Insect Woman <laughs> right, and and right uh, right right it's there literally really they happen back to back like it's yeah it's, yeah they're very hard to distinguish one of them he even makes that like the the interviewer comments on that and he like confirms like yeah like that idea that like we're all why we're all animals we're inside all animals. kind of thing yeah. He believes that. And whether or not he believes that because it's hard to say, but, like, the thing about it is is by believing that and making movies about that, that's just another way that you become a darling of that particular yeah. I mean, mode at of least, thinking. At least then with this one, in calling it entomological, he is acknowledging that he is no longer doing anthropology, that he is not. Right. By, Although the, by, the number of times that, like, by putting them so yeah. close together, he's essentially <laughs> right, equating right. them to each other. Is really right, upsetting, right. But uh, at least, at least, you know, in terminology here, we get that acknowledgement of difference. Because if you're treating all humans as if they are bestial, then you are not doing anthropology anymore. No, That's why anthropology not. is a separate science to zoology. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, and I just, I don't know. I feel like that's all part of like, and I don't think that pigs and battleships has some of these same problems in it. Right. And so I really feel like there's some sort of change in his, like, he decides in that interim to embrace this sort of, like, you're with us or you're against us sort of ideology that allows him to continue to work and things like that. And, I mean, we don't know what his politics were before, really, but, like, those these movies do not match. Right. In a lot of ways. The Pigs and Battleships, we complained about parts of it. I complained about Imamura primarily in Pigs and Battleships. Right. Partially because we watched that documentary that included information from here. Right, right, Watching right, these right. two films makes me reevaluate that, like, we were seeing post whatever that sea change was, Imamura. Right. And, and all that information. Because Pigs and, and Battleships course, doesn't have these problems. Right. Right. Pigs and Battleships after, cares about its characters. Right after this trilogy. He establishes his own production company, and that's the company that makes The Pornographers and Vengeance is Mine, the two other movies of his that we've seen, that are significantly more so <laughs> um, in right. this um, in this this worldview, this this idea that he has. Um, yeah, particularly Vengeance in yeah. just the amount of bestial violence that right. that happens, like. Um, yeah, and and like it's hard to say. Like you know, does he probably he doesn't consciously acknowledge this sort of like way of viewing the world necessarily? 
I don't know that he's actually that introspective. He seems like the sort of person who right. goes on TV and talks about being introspective, but is not actually practically speaking very introspective uh, yeah. about himself. But that's just a just a general feeling vibe I get. But that's um, right. so so certainly you know this is a movie that presents uh, the issues of the lower class, though definitely ratches them up. But, into but also does not ways. bear in mind and engage by, in class politics at all. Right. Right. It just sensationalizes the issues of the poor without saying, well, you know, if we, you know, maybe it, maybe it swings back to a, to a complaint we have increasingly, uh, you know, words that have increasingly crossed our lips is that maybe our, our main problem with Imamura is that he is not socialist enough. He is just firmly in a liberal camp, even as he thinks yeah. he might be more leftist than he is. Um, and, you right, know, but and it I becomes especially I, that that refrain for us becomes especially problematic when somebody's trying to talk about some class group and right, make a right, film right, about right, them, right. but isn't willing to talk about the like. You know what I mean? Like we say that a lot, but we especially have to say it about people who are like, "I'm going to talk about this class and like their issues," and then right. also adamantly refuses to engage in, engage in class politics. It we have to say yeah. it at that point, right? And the 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 historical grounding in this film with actual like documentary footage of the uh the protests against the the US peace deal um and you know other other things um it's not like we swing just i think about the ending of her work at the mill and she goes back to the mill and she's organizing at the mill and she is in a relationship with her supervisor um, and they have sex in a field, and then he's gotten a promotion, and he has to fire her. Right, and then, and then we don't, we don't, we don't really, engage it. we en- we don't engage textually with. Uh, well, she's fired because she was organizing. First off, That's and and <laughs> the closest we get is that she mentions that she only started organizing because he wanted her to. Right, right, right. Um, and he's he's gotten out of the organizing game because he's making more money now. The company bought him off, right. uh, and you know, and then we swing to city protests, but they're not. We're not. They're not. They're not explained at all. They're 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 not they're explained, totally and they're not. They're not. Uh, they're they're not uh, swinging to worker protests. You know, overtly. You know, this isn't. It isn't like what she's experiencing in her personal life is being reflected in the national state of politics. Right. The national state of politics really, and, and you know, I'm, I am less familiar with Japanese history than, uh, than you are certainly. And then many of our listeners probably are, but it seems to me that the documentary bits in this movie only exist to ground it in time, not to reflect what is happening to her as, uh, as a mirror of what is ra- happening well, in Japanese society. especially since when they, the, at least some of the protests they use are the uh, protests about the American-Japanese peace treaty, or uh, right. that, that specifically uh, kind of like engages Japan directly in sort of the American war machine. Uh, right. And, and that, like, that's and, not and really response- relevant at all in right, this situation. Right. And her her response in that situation is to yell at the cab driver to go around it. Right. 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 Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. like she doesn't even actively engage with that at all. 
and we have to know we have to be able to read the signs which are untranslated in the criterion well <laughs> release we anyway. get like one person in english probably it's a throwaway in the japanese version but one person's right. like no american japanese peace treaty Right, and then right, so right, right. we thought that. you were peaceful. We thought they were peaceful, or something like that, which is a hilarious yeah. thing. Like, and I don't, <laughs> right, even, I don't even, right, right, I right. don't even think it's, I don't. Most of that documentary footage has no sound recording on it. I yeah. don't. I think it is added sound in the right, Japanese. Right. Someone it, it, threw it, that. Yeah. So Imamura made a choice to put that line in particularly. I'm pretty even sure. More of an I'm active. pretty sure. None of the documentary footage that I've ever. I don't believe it has sound recording on it. And certainly not that like really clearly audible line, you know. It was very strange. I was like, "What is this?" And it has nothing to do with what's happening with her, right? It's because that's the movie's not about her engagement at all with the American right. Japanese peace treaty or anything like that. It's like, yeah. Now certainly, certainly her organizing and her organizing being quelled uh, is reflective of movements across Japan. Oh, absolutely. So she is, Right. But that's also disconnected in time and space in the movie, right? Like her right. encountering those protests is later on. She's established. They're, you're right. They're just to set up time periods. It's just to let right. us know in a way that is it's more about how it's kind of about how much student protests are an inconvenience to, to other people right. or something like that no. in many ways. Right, and and to to a certain regard to of of those people call it crying peace, peace. This is also a movie about how big political events uh, only serve to, I guess, get in the way of the lower class doing their day to day jobs. Right, which is a uh, crazy bullshit reading, but whatever. Right, I, right, at right. this point, it right. seems to Tomei. fit into the model for Imamura that I have built perfectly. Yeah. So, tell me, tell me, explicitly just does not care about any of the stuff that's going on. Uh, you know, I don't think she has any real emotional reaction to the emperor dying either. She's just not interested in anything politically going on, but she was an active labor organizer. So that doesn't right. really work out. Well, right? and so that's the problem, right? Is it like Imamura actively paints her as purely mercenary in everything she does right? throughout her life, which is fine but it just feeds that back into that sort of bestial nature sort of conversation where like people people have to survive and i understand that but but people also do feel things even when they're just trying to survive right right and that's the problem right is that imamura doesn't really give her an emotional interiority in many ways right and it's that that distance of the insect lady we're just yeah we're watching a we're watching we're reading the notes of an entomologist watching some bugs in his cage rather than the story of a person, and those are not the same thing. Right, right. And that's really no. problematic when your goal is to tell a story about a person. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, we talked about this quite a bit last week, I think, but with the uh, with the whole name of this box set uh, being Contingents on Pimps and Prostitutes, uh, it is it is once again, as much as Imora has talked about his uh, his relationship with sex work as you know he he frames it as one of sympathy, but it's really one of pity, I think. And we talked and about I, that last and week. I'm becoming even more 
even doubtful of that. Yeah. Honestly, Ian, I think it's more like a, it's even, I think even my impression is starting to become more like, this is just an interesting subject matter, which people right, right, will right. find interesting it's not to even, watch. It's, but, but in both this movie and last week's movie, uh, people only enter prostitution because of outside factors. Right. Um, no one's doing sex work because they enjoy doing sex work, which is, you know, very, very, very status quo view of sex work. Uh, through the mid-century, certainly. Right. Um, and even today in the bulk of people's relationship with sex work or view right. of sex work. Um, so, you know, in Pigs and Battleships, it's the sex work industry exists in this town solely because the Americans are there. Right. Uh, in this movie, Tomei ends up in sex work uh, solely as survival work, which is certainly, you know, there's a lot of people in sex work as survival work. Um and, you know, part of there's a lot of people who would not need to be in sex work if we had a country that actually cared for people. Uh, but and, you know, Imamura is certainly portraying a country that does not care enough for people, uh, you know. Right. And, and that particular part and of Tomei's, the portrayal is not inaccurate. Right. But. Right. In much the same way as Parasite, uh, the main characters in Parasite, we get Tomei, uh, you know betraying other people of her class in order to get ahead right she right. uh she buys favor with her madam by uh turning in a fellow uh sex worker for getting side jobs and then immediately <laughs> sells out her madam to the police in order to take over the organization right right um and, you know that 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 dog eat dog survival is on the one hand, something we've complained about uh, as being portrayed in this movie, but we complain about it because it's not contextualized in the same way that Parasite contextualizes it, it as the uh, as the inevitable right. <laughs> side effect Absolutely. of capitalistic society. Well, and, it's a, right? and it's also problematic. It does also become problematic because, yes, that stuff happens. It's very, good. but it also doesn't yeah. happen sometimes. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. The problem right, right. we we have here is that, like, and that's where I get into my problems with his sort of like bestial nature of man sort of argument that he's making here is that it happens every time in his story. There are no nice people in his story. You know what I mean? Everybody right. is bestial to each other in his story, to the extent, for example, that like. And it plays out in the fact that, like, literally, Tomei has no relationships that couldn't be understood in the context of sexual assault. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it is fundamental to the argument. Like, the movie presents too many people for it to be... If you make a movie with only three people in it and they all treat each other like shit, you can't read that as a broad politic of humanity, right? Yeah. You can be like, okay, well, these three people are really shitty to each other. Right. Uh, and you could try to, like, make it a metaphor and all that shit. That's fine. But the problem is, is this is a broad time-spanning story where Tomei meets a lot of people and they're all absolute tr like garbage to each other. No one is nice to anybody. Everybody treats everybody like trash. 
and everybody is bestial towards each other. Specifically, all male characters are bestial towards all uh, all women characters in the movie across the board, a hundred percent. Well, with the exception of her father, like he's the only it's right. the only sort of separate relationship in the movie that doesn't fit into that paradigm. Um, and that's a problem, right? Because when you have that many characters doing that to each other, that's a statement about humanity at that point. You're no longer arguing that this group of people is bad to each other. You're arguing that all human beings are fundamentally this to each other and will do this to each other, again, without the rule structure there to make sure that they don't. You, you know what I mean? And and never mind the fact that, you know, it doesn't, again, dig into any sort of class politics about, huh, I wonder why this happens all the time in my story. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not interesting in that because that's, that's what I'm, t- that's sort of what I was talking about at the beginning. It is in the best interest of this sort of ideological hegemony to propagate the idea that all human beings are bestial towards each other and are, have to be put on the chain. It right. is not beneficial to that ruling hegemony to take it one step further and ask why right, right. that thing that you just said is true. Right. Or is not true because again you get into this sort of like the the experiment with no control sort of problem where it's like okay is this true of all human beings or is this just what you've built? And the answer is this is what you've built really, but Right. Right. Um right. you know, you know it, it is he just doesn't want to explore deeper issues. But he wants to get sort of the social cred for like quote unquote addressing those issues. You know what I mean? That there's that there's that fine line, right? Of like, I'm gonna talk about them, but I'm not going to talk about them. I'm never going to dig one layer deeper. It's always just uh everybody in the world every man in the world will rape every woman in the world given the opportunity is right. sort of the argument in this movie. And, and that extends to other lo- kinds of violence towards each other all the time. I'm just using that as the sort of most upsetting example from this movie because it is fucking the entire movie. Right. It's just the movie from left to right is just various forms of sexual assault. Yeah. Her but, family yeah. sells her out. Uh, to to live a slightly more comfortable life uh, by selling her to her landlord, essentially, yeah. who impregnates her, and yeah, it's just it is. And then her her supervisor, who is sleeping with her, only is involved with her until he gets ahead, and then you know, it's yeah, it's right. on on down the line, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, it's. It is unfortunate to me that you know, I could imagine a world where a life like Tomei's does exist, right? It is not, it is not purely no. fictional. Um, but the fact that he based this on someone he met whose life was not this bad and said, hey, wouldn't it be neat if we made a movie where your life was significantly worse than it actually well, is? Well, also, <laughs> he doesn't say, wouldn't it be neat? Because she's right. not important. Right. She's, she said no she, part of this. Right, right. Number right, two, right. the way he He's talks not talking about her, to her is extremely patronizing. <laughs> it is, he, from beginning right. to end, the way he talks about the woman that this is based off of is gross. Yeah. Like, it, just watch that document, that little interview, and it's... 
gross. He talks about it was this woman who talked with like who had a very sort of like down like they he didn't even use the word down to earth. He described it as like rough accent who like he met and we thought she was pretty interesting. She wasn't like I even think he comments on her appearance at one point. Right. And like but like her stories and like you know and he does this in the other interview as well. We have a whole other field about to talk. We could talk about about yeah, yeah. Murray's actual opinion of women, which is apparently quite oh. low. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that next week, I'm sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, the Variety interview that uh, Wikipedia cites, um, which is from '64. Talks about this movie taking place over a period of forty-five years as a quote, conscious as quote, consciously causing viewer alienation. Yeah, that's what I was um, referencing when I talked about sort of yeah purposeful alienation. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it's the time structure that alienates me from this movie. No, it, it the, does play a part. It does play a part, and but it is, it is the broader. Uh, it is Imamura's understanding of this movie as a, a uh, right uh, entomological yeah. work. Yeah, <laughs> Imamura's read on people and the way you tell a story about people is fundamentally is alienating. Right. Uh, like, but the time doesn't like the time. The structure of the movie constantly never giving you enough time to right. There's a engage uh, with the character does not help that. One of one of my first notes in here uh, is that. Uh, oh, is that we're 30, 35 minutes in and I'm still not entirely sure what's happening. Um, right. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's a bit in the interview where, uh, Morris says they worked hard to make it coherent. And he's talking about the script work of all the disparate right. parts that he wanted to put in since he wasn't actually basing this on a real life person. Uh, I don't know that he tried hard enough to make this movie coherent because I think there there are times where he is actively trying to make the movie less coherent. Right. Well, um, he talks about that in that interview too, in the interviews we watch, where he's like, where they like act like movie parts not hanging well together as like a as a yeah. stylistic choice. And I'm all I am always, but not can't be a hundred percent suspicious when. When things that could be read as a bad job are recontextualized as well, that's just what I was right. going for. It that's happens. What I was going for. People do it in art <laughs> all the fair. time. Absolutely. We're like, I, I've done it. I've done it plenty of times. Where I'm like, I purposely make garbage. Some sometimes Please you enjoy make birdemic. Sometimes you make birdemic, and then you get to say, Oh, I made that such a great comedy. Don't people love to laugh at my right? Movie exactly. Later. And you never right. know which one it is. It's impossible yeah. to know. Yeah. But I'm always a little. Um, so you always have to take it with a grain of salt, just a little bit. Yeah. There's a, in the essay, uh, Imamura says, my heroines are true to life. Just look around you at Japanese women. They are strong and they outlive men. Uh, he's talking to Audie Bach uh, in a- uh, Right. We get a little bit more sort of- Yeah. Self-sacrificing- sort of biological yeah. essentialism right. there about like right. living longer, directly equating to how strong yeah. you are emotionally. Right. Out of- right. Self-sacrificing women like the heroines of Naruse's floating clouds- or Mizuguchi's *The Life of Ohara* don't really exist, and obviously we've we've not seen either of those movies. But uh, he's you know he's saying that that his portrayal of women 
uh, you know, in film period, but I think particularly in this in this three set, certainly, yeah. um, is more legitimate than the other portrayals of women in Japanese film. And I can't necessarily argue with that because our other experiences in Japanese film at this time are not necessarily realistic depictions of women. Well, uh, particularly yeah, or, I mean, I or of, every, we... of everyday women. Because Ozu's, Ozu's women films are particularly aimed at middle class Absolutely. married women. Totally. And are stories about women getting married. Maybe a right. little late. They in are life. usually a but little like late. But like also, be, but it is always worth noting that there's no such thing as saying like this isn't a realistic interpretation of this kind of person, right? right? Because right, like, right, right, like certainly as hell, a lot of middle class women in Japan got married, right? You know what I'm saying? That did happen a lot, um, and a lot of women from the lower class got married. It happened a lot. Right. Um, there's a reason why this country also had. A baby boom, you know what yeah. I mean. A lot of people got married. And like, it my wasn't point, just my point, incest and rape. When I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. But like, um, my point is, is just like saying, like, oh well, I I told a realistic story of women is a very arrogant sort of ground to right. stake your claim in. Yeah, more realistic than Ozu. Maybe Ozu is very idealistic about what he imagines Japan right. should be. And what the societal structure of Japan should be in many ways, right? Um, there's a there's another quote from from Dennis Lim's essay. Uh, I sent you part of this, but I'll I'll read the whole paragraph. Well, I'll read most of the paragraph, starting with what I've already sent you. Um, several critics, including Donald Ritchie, have since pointed out that the two Ozu and Imamura have more in common than they may seem to in that both are obsessed with the notion of Japaneseness. And I sent this to you because you had essentially yes. said the same thing last week. Continuing the quote. It could be they had very different ideas of the national essence, or perhaps they just came at it from opposite sides. While Ozu, considered the most Japanese of Japanese directors, emphasized the taming and concealment of the natural state, Imamura, a master conductor of libidinal energies affirmed it was to be found everywhere yeah i expected that reaction from you the 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 rest of the paragraph is bad uh (laughs) but at his core he has a not entirely inaccurate take on it right because they both come from they do come from the same place right this belief that that bestiality is everywhere yeah in everybody all the time is a fundamental part of that sort of social ideology right um, right, and yeah, I I would ag- I it's not, it's, well, the writing on that is just fucking just shoot me now, but like it is something, um, but like the fundamental thought process there is not necessarily wrong, uh, about that, and and yeah, uh, the yeah, phrase the phrase libidinal energies is definitely a nadir for the essay. I will right. I will yeah. give it that. Yeah, so. I mean, like I, my issue is that like, you know, I've I've seen an Oshima film now. Don't talk to me about libidinal energies. Thank you very much. <laughs> There's a man who understands libidinal energies. Thank you very much. Right. No, I'm right, just right, I'm, right. I'm just saying like, what he there that that is adding that extra bit of like flowery right. flavor to a much darker belief actually. Right. Right. Because libido and being a wild sexual assault machine are not the same thing. Right. 
Right. And even But the essay wants you to believe that because the essay is also a part of this same paradigm. <laughs> right. Listen, in both Oshima films, we start out with uh, you know, in in Empire Passion on overt rape and mm-hmm. in uh in uh Realm of the Senses an abuse of power. Yeah. Uh starts that sexual relationship. Um but uh and obviously again, they are working after really the fall of the studio system Absolutely. a decade after this. Yep. So they are different. They are different animals. Uh, totally. Historically and and socially, contextually. Um uh, but yeah, that's uh Oshima is is someone who who is making films about that libido energy. Well without, and, is, and is acknowledging with, that libido and bestial like right. sexual terror are not the same thing. They're just right. not. Right. Right. And that's that's what it is. Um you know, and you know I think we'll we'll get a little more into that next week with a story where where rape does lead to obsession um in similar ways to some of the mm-hmm. Oshima stuff we've seen. Um but this movie this movie is just devoid of positive emotional exchanges really. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean the closest we get is the daughter and her right. new husband. Right. And right, right. the fact that the only the only if the movie were about her, which in ways I guess you could understand it as there is this reading of the movie that is very is way overly generous to Imamura, that it's about all that being worth it to make that happen. The daughter the daughter seems poised to finally escape the right. cycles of violence that we have seen occur in three generations of this family. Right. Including in her. But Right, yeah, absolutely. Totally. But she seems yeah. poised to be in a different position. And like right. there's ways to read that. There's ways to read that as like, well now the fu- we're in the future now where like we've solved that problem. Ja-da, or something to yeah. that effect. But then again, she do join a commune and that probably might play into some of that. But like again, I don't think Eva right. Murr wants to talk about that stuff. Eva Murr is right, using right. that as a set piece because that's a thing that 20 year olds were doing interesting that year right interestingly she is able to join a commune and and have a path out whereas her mother has joined a financial religious cult right uh and is and is not finding a way out absolutely totally in that community but but, and like maybe that's supposed to be commentary but i really don't honestly believe it is i don't see anything about imamura's work it says, well, the answer is communal living right, based on right, mutual right. like trust and understanding of each other and, and all kinds of stuff like yeah. that. I mean, there is something about about the community she's living in actually being egalitarian in many regards. Uh, she does uh, – she commits a, a act of, uh, I suppose, uh, sexual uh, conmanship to get her uh, her initial investment right, for that Right, on commune. a dude who was ex- – Totally poised to sexually exploit her for the rest of her fucking life. Right, 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 right. So was like, actively we, trying to. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and and the one moment of Tomei's uh, uh, admiration for Noboku is that uh, she uh, yeah she she admires that Noboku was able to to essentially do what she did 
but get out with right, the money. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, that, and that's where we get into a really funny thing about the ending of the movie, and the, kind of the only part of the movie that was actually deeply interesting for me to think about, which is where what is Tomei's purpose in traveling yeah. there? Is it to do what she says she's going to do for her ex-lover, this man that yeah. exploited her for most of her life, and try to return, get Tomei to return the like force Tomei to come back. Or is she going there to essentially live out the rest of her days with, you know, right? Sort of the ch- of ch- with charity from her daughter. I and the fact, hard to say. We also get, you know, we get the uh, the Sisyphean aspect of both the intro of the bug and right. Tomei's ending. Of of constantly walking uphill, right? Right. Of, of never never getting anywhere while pushing a rock uphill. You know, it's a very it's a very Sisyphean life that Tomei is living here. Um, whereas again, her daughter has. It's interesting then maybe uh, that Noboku is played by the same actress who played the lead in Pigs and Battleship. Is uh, is Imamura actually trying to say that Jisuke? <laughs> Yoshimura is the only woman in Japan who will be able to find a better station for herself. Um, yeah, you could definitely that... read it that way. Like, I think what it, yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think probably she has a certain sort of, like, slyness to the way she emotes on screen that, like, helps right, her right, sell right, that, right. like, that sort of, de- that yeah. sort of determination. But, like, you know, I mean, I, I think everyone in this movie actually is a very good a- no, I think so. I think Shohei, in, I think right. Imamura does a pretty much kind of a disservice to some of his actors quite a bit in this movie, especially right. because right. they're they're the way it's done just means that like they're doing some marvelous acting, and then like he's actively working against them almost. <laughs> like right, right, it's right, like right. he is the rock in the Sisyphean sort of analogy for yeah. these actors um, in many ways. Um, he loves making difficult movies. Yeah, well, like, yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I had some other things I wanted to talk about that kind of plays into this and his, yeah. and her uh, father. But, I mean, it's we've kind of gone for a pretty long time. And I could talk about it in the next one. It's not as obvious in the next one. It had a lot to do with that sort of how the sort of biological essentialism that it is plays into paternity feeds yeah. into that same sort of air, ideological paradigm. And... Imamura, the fact that Imamura exclusively portrays men who do not care about paternity as fucking morons. Right. Across the board, if you're a man who doesn't care about the paternity of their child in the Imamura movie, you're a fucking idiot. Like, you are the dumb, like, patently, obviously, right? Played to the the hill, like, just as the dumbest person on earth. And, And everyone who is sly and smart cares a lot, which says a lot about the politics of 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 sort of gender and understanding of what it means to be a parent and things like that that right which plays very much into that sort of neoliberal sort of yeah there's um, well there's paradigm and the patriarchal paradigm of like right like you get into the idea of what is reproduction is it biological or is it cultural and obviously one of these things is actually more important but is not does not benefit the system as it functions to be acknowledged as the more important element, so instead they choose to focus on biology instead. Right. And again, and there's, all the idiots are the only ones who love right. the children that maybe aren't theirs. And there is a there is a corollary in 
the uh, paternalistic relationship uh, that Tomei and Naboku have both with uh, Tomei's stepfather, uh, the village idiot, the one we're talking about here, mm-hmm. um, and and also the fact that they they both call Tomei's lover Papa, right? Right. Um, and there's there's this. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I mean, it's just a. It's I. We've you've heard me complain about it before. I don't know. I don't know. Hear it's me also complaining about it again. I, it's it also maybe. The, go ahead. It's maybe interesting that uh, that we get we get a nineteen a nineteen sixty three date as an early example of uh, men who write off uh, sexual women as just having daddy issues. Uh, so, yeah, that's also true. Know. We def- this is definitely one of those in many ways, right? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it next time in the next episode because it's a part of the next story too, just right. not to the extreme that it is here. This idea of like paternity being the utmost identifier of a father, right? Above all, above all things, like biology being the singular most important element of fatherhood above all else is very much a part of a, a very very specific paradigm of understanding uh society yeah Um, yeah and then you know on on the end maybe i'm getting at of this idea that uh paternalizing your lover uh through emotional if not physical abuse that there's something inherently to being a father Right, yeah, making that argument too, yeah, absolutely, yeah, that making that argument that like fatherhood is is in its own way some sort of overt sexual violence or something like that is really, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's plenty more to talk about with our next episode as we finish the box set. Uh, This week we've been talking about the insect woman from 1963. Uh, Next week we'll be talking about uh, intentions of a murder. The final film in the Pigs, Pimps, and Prostitutes box set. Three films by uh, Shohei Imamura. Uh, Intentions from the Murder came out in 64, but was, as Imamura frequently points out in all of the background material for this for some reason, uh, (laughs) it was written first and meant to be made first, but the production company insisted that, uh, that the other that insect woman be made first anyway uh so we'll talk about that next week and we will uh see you all then thank you so much for listening to lost of criterion i am as always the adam glass with me as always john patrick or Tori dorgan and we'll see you next week been lost in criteria under co-host adam glass you can find me on twitter at the adam glass my partner is john patrick Hoatari dorgan and you can find him at j patrick dorgan. 
Check out more of the show at lostincriterion.com or, hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at jonathanhape.com. And thanks for listening. We appreciate it.